Welcome to WWDMD, a podcast that is all about peeling back the curtain on what clinicians really think and feel as they work with others. My guests, clinicians, who are also sometimes clients themselves, risk their vulnerability as they publicly share their emotional reactions to their clients, disclose their challenges in doing the work, and reveal their personal backgrounds. I'm Dr. Myers. I'm a psychotherapist in New York City with 30 years of practice experience specializing in anxiety and depressive disorders, as well as sibling relationships and family systems. I'm also a professor of social work at Malloy University on Long Island. I see this as a journey of self-reflection for not only our guests, but you, because with each episode, I'm hopeful that you will learn something new about yourself. Please note that any discussion of case details have been modified to protect the privacy of our clients. What would Dr. Myers do? Connection. We all need connection. Friends, colleagues, mentors, a social network, access to resources. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of finding our own way and helping others do the same in regard to feeling a part of a community and garnering the much-needed support we all need in doing whatever it is we are pursuing. I think whatever our endeavors, we all want to feel a part of something bigger, and we definitely want to have a quality of life. So I'm here today with Paulina Nunez and Adriana Andruli, two Malloy University graduates, to talk about their experiences as leaders of the Social Work Student Association during their time at Malloy, and how they met their own needs for connection while they helped their clients to do the same. Paulina received her master's degree last year from Fordham University School of Social Work, and Adriana is currently obtaining her master's at Fordham. But while at Malloy, Paulina interned at Erase Racism, a community organization focused on equitable housing and education. So she learned a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Adriana was at a school for exceptional children, helping her clients build community through developing their socialization skills. So through our discussion, they're going to bring you up to speed on where they are now. Um, But I just want to begin by saying how interesting it is, how there can be this parallel process where you got what you needed in terms of community support, and in doing so, we're able to model that for your clients. So many of us crave that connection and don't know how to get it. So hi, ladies. Hi, thank you for that introduction. Of course. And let's start with how you both came to value community. Okay. I am Latina, first generation, and I kind of grew up in church. So I think part of my idea or my personal beliefs and morals come from that Christian background specifically and the focus on community service and giving back that closeness, but I did have some experiences that really reshaped the way that I viewed specifically church or Christianity. And so I was really seeking a community that valued me. I didn't really feel that support at church. And so coming into the club, specifically the social work club, I was really seeking kind of a space where I could grow and be supported and feel like I had a purpose. And so those were some of the things that I was experiencing. Also, like a finding and exploring my own identity. I didn't just want to, you know, have religion be a reason, like, 
for me to make every single decision, but also like my profession and my own thoughts. So I think it came from that. I believe that my sense of community came from growing up in my childhood. I came from a background where my parents are divorced. So I grew up living in two different towns. This also did provide me with the opportunity to grow more into my community, seeing the differences between where I grew up and then where my father was living. I really was able to feel connected through sports. That was one of my ways of finding a community and my sense of self. Coming to Malloy, I wanted to build on that and find more of myself through my education and being around individuals and peers that have similar interests to me. I did come to Malloy in the midst of the pandemic, which was very challenging for me. I was in a virtual learning environment, uh, and I did not know anybody in my program. So really building that sense of community was a challenge. Coming into the social work program, I was able to hear about the Social Work Student Association, which provided me that support that I needed, where I can make friends that had similar interests to me. So the both of you developed this idea of community from two very different vantage points, Mm -hmm. right? Two very different experiences. But how did you become cognizant that community was something that you needed to or wanted to seek out? I felt while I was in church that there were a lot of the leaders that I had looked up to were kind of failing in some ways, or I was personally not being like supported about what I was passionate about. Specifically in the year 2018, 2019, there was the election and a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment, politically, socially. And I myself at that time was undocumented and an immigrant. And so within the church, I did not feel supported. I kind of had people around me that were voting and or supporting people that were kind of going totally against like my community and what I was passionate about. And so because of that, I wanted to seek a community that shared similar interests with me, but also that I know would stand by me. I think that's something that's really important when you're seeking a community to find people, like Adriana said, that you share a common interest with and common passions with. So when you have that type of experience where you're faced in a, in a, congregation, right, or Mm -hmm. in an environment that's so special to you and important to you and is helping you with your identity in many different ways, yet exclaiming this kind of anti-immigrant sentiment, Mm -hmm. how how do you revision or reshape your understanding and experience of community? So in the, because on the one hand, it sounds like you got a lot of of Mm -hmm. what you needed from this. Yes right, from this church, from this institution. And on the other hand, it sounded like it really kind of disappointed you. Mm -hmm. And I could see how that experience would make you question community and Mm -hmm. the value of community and make you want to isolate, if anything. So how did you bridge that? There is no perfect community. There's always going to be some sort of fault. Um, And I learned that from, you know, church, because one of the main lessons we learn is that no human is perfect. We all make mistakes. And so whether I would have chosen to stay in this community, um, which ultimately I am making myself myself back towards, but like I know that 
no matter which community you find yourselves in. And I think you can be a part of like a couple of different spaces simultaneously. But I think no matter what community you find yourself in, there's going to be pros and cons. And there's going to be things that really hurt you. And there's going to be moments like these really beautiful moments where you're like, wow, this is the reason why I'm here. I love this space right now. Just how there's going to be moments where you run away crying and you're like, why am I even doing this? But it's like kind of like growing pains, right? Like it's like a family too. Like your family can hurt you the most. Your family members can hurt you the most and like a community can hurt you the most. But then you look at it and they're like, but I can do better. Like we can bounce back from this. Um, Kind of went on a rant there, but no, I, don't know. I think that was so eloquently put. I mean, you really kind of conjured up an image for me of family and the parallels between family and community and the ups and downs and yeah. the idea that nobody's perfect and absolutely right and being open to that and kind of letting that um, guide your interactions so that it makes it a lot more palatable um, when you have those lows to know what you are getting from them. So I'm wondering if you can concretize what exactly you mean when you say what community offers you. It offers me a place to feel welcomed. I feel like I belong. And that's really important, I feel like, to us as human beings is like that sense of belonging. You can be a part of multiple communities and you don't have to just put yourself into one community. So So finding your needs, like finding your needs, I think is important and sticking to your values and not really changing that for the community around you. So maybe it's like being in a relationship. You know, we tend to have the expectation that we're going to get all of our needs met from this one person. And the reality is that you get some of this, you get some of this from your other friends. Or, you know, when I say relationship, I'm talking about your intimate relationship um, and our expectations and how we're kind of socially constructed to think that this person should be your one all that be all. But I like Mm -hmm. the idea of how you're saying, you know, you get different things from different communities. Like different resources. So how did your sense of community and, and knowing the value that a community can provide steer you? I have two parts to the question, and I'm sure we'll come back to the second part, but my overall wonderment is about how it steered you to make sure that you found that in college, while in college, and also how you came to value that for your clients. A big part of it was having that socialization part Like I mentioned that I was a student who was doing virtual learning in the midst of the pandemic and being home majority of the time, I did feel a sense of social isolation. Coming back to in-person as I was a leader of the Social Work Student Association, I felt like that was extremely important because there were a lot of anxieties around like, what's it like being back in the community, being around individuals again? Um, How can we work through those emotions and feelings that are coming up? And really, I think like talking about those feelings and listening to those and the needs of our community members was very important. Um, And then I was able to realize that if I'm struggling socializing with my peers or my professors, what would that be like for my clients? Part of the work that Erased Racism did, um, this was post the very public murder of George Floyd, Black Lives Matter protests. And so an organization like Erased Racism had some sort of like spotlight on it for a number of years until now, of course. And that's awesome. That's great. I think they deserve all the recognition they get. But amongst that, there was a lot of 
conflict and pressure to discuss racial ethnic identities and what that looks like. So there was, we established a high school task force. Well, Erase Racism Racism had established a high school task force with students all across Long Island. So Long Island is this very, I think it's top 10, one of the top 10 most segregated metropolis in the United States. And Levittown is this town in Long Island, which is, as history is told, like these towns are designed to segregate people based off of their racial identity and the color of their skin. And so all of Long Island is very segregated. Like if, for example, if you grow up like 20 minutes from your friend, they're going to have a totally different high school experience or experience, life experiences than you will simply because they live in a different town. Okay, so in this group that we put together for the high school students, each high school student was from a different town. And so their experiences were so different depending on that. And so as we were discussing racial identity and like ethnic identity and some of the things that were occurring in their classroom, like these conversations were so hard. And High school students are so smart. They are just so intuitive. And so they would bring to us very uncomfortable topics. And it's like, how do we properly guide these conversations? And like, I can honestly say, I don't know. I don't know if what exactly what I was doing was the right thing. But what I do know is that this sense of community that we created in these groups, even if they were virtual once a week, whatever um, time that we were meeting, like they were so grateful for it because they weren't able to discuss it at their school. They weren't able to talk about politics and, you know, what their politicians were saying about like their parents or even themselves. And so it was just like one of those moments where you, as a as uh, someone in an authoritative figure, like I was the social work intern, I was leading these groups with the students. It was one of those moments where it's like, okay, let's forget about the agenda and let me just open up the space. Like what's going on at school? What is happening? And like, how can we work through this? How can I provide support for you? And it was simply the act of providing that space, that open space to just talk about what was going on and how they were feeling that meant so much to them. And so like, I think it's just like the principle kind of rule of just listening at times, you know, it's okay to wipe the agenda and just sit with your clients and see where they're at, what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know that there are even moments when I was leading the club that I noticed there came a certain point in the year where yeah. my members were burnt out, but also so were, so were my clients at, at my internship. And I was trying to understand, like, what— what is this about? What's going on? So instead of maybe doing a social emotional learning activity about how to be a good friend, you know, I ask my clients, what's going on? Like, what's sitting with you? Mm. We're not going to be able to reach our goals and be able to improve our life if we're sitting with these really intense emotions or feelings that we're not able to kind of work through. Mm-hmm. And when it came to the club, it was the same time, you know, we're so overwhelmed with the amount of schoolwork and the change of the seasons and stuff like that. Personal life gets in the way. So how can I support my members? And that was just kind of creating that safe, comfortable environment for them to open up and just let out what was weighing on their chest. Yeah. And that created a better way of, of a rapport Um, and moving forward in building the community that was needed. 
Yeah. I don't know if you realize it or not, but what you're both talking about as you're speaking is the use of basic generalist and clinical practice mm-hmm. skills. You're talking about starting where the client is, mm-hmm. right? Both of you are starting where the client is. You're talking about the importance of having people feel like they're being heard. And you're talking about um, demonstrating acceptance, mm-hmm. right? In, in terms of whatever is being talked about or being in the here and now, Adriana, you're talking about like dropping the agenda and let's deal with what's happening presently. Mm-hmm. And Paulina, you're talking about trying to uh, bring a group of high school students together or anybody together for that matter and talk about such sensitive material yeah. where you're saying, you know, you don't know if you did it correctly or you don't know if it resulted in the way that maybe you had envisioned. But what was most important and what was most successful is that people felt that they had a space to talk about things that were very, very important to them. Mm-hmm. And that builds community. Yeah. But it not only builds community, it builds a sense of self, mm-hmm. right? So you're actually conquering two very important pieces of improving somebody's quality of life, right? You want to have an, a solid internal sense of self, and you also want to be able to use that to connect to others. I may not know all my clients, but I make it a point to make sure I like look at them and I address them and I say hello and good morning. They might not have everything put together in their life and they may have challenges, but you're putting yourself still out there to let them know that they do have people around. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like the little things too that makes a community, like yeah. like the attention to detail. But yeah, for sure. I think on a larger scale, just to add, I think it is really important, like a piece of community is like action. I remember talking to the high school students, like we had such heavy conversations and there was like a sense of momentum. Like I'm passionate about this. I want to, I want to change like my, my high school's code of conduct for it to resemble more restorative justice practices. Or I want to make different lesson plans that are parallel to what we're talking about at online, like with my friends. And so we did do like action groups, which I think is also like a very parallel experience to the social work club and the work that we do with clients. Like we sit down and we set goals. We sit down and we set some sort of action plan. We say like, okay, like we're passionate about this. We want to change this about our community or we want to change this about ourselves. I think those two things are like fit very well. And then back to the social work club, which is kind of where it all began. It's like, this is the Malloy community, or this is our college community, our, our campus. What can we do to make it better? Or what can we do to the local community to make it better? I remember my first year as um, the social work president, I realized that we were in Hempstead, which is this community in Long Island. I, I love Long Island. But this community in Long Island, and their high school graduation rate at the time was 37% which is so low compared to a town 20 minutes over, which is 98%, by the way. And I was like, we need to get into Hempstead. Like, who is the intern at Hempstead from our school? And we did, like, a Thanksgiving party with them. And, like, you know, it's like, like I said, like, the little things. Just, like, the attention to detail. Like, you are present. You're here. We acknowledge you. And, like, let's do something. Well, I just want to say that I think that people these days are starving for community. And going back to what Adriana said about the pandemic, that even you had difficulty acclimating, right? You're you're now on an online community for school, and then to you you lost your community, and then you didn't know how to kind of reintegrate into that community. And 
not only the pandemic, but I think in this current age with cell phones and social media, people don't know how to socialize or to be with other people. It's almost like, you know, when we're two years old, we do this parallel play. We're not quite Mm -hmm. sure yet how to integrate with each other. And so we're just happy to sit side by side playing with our own toys next to each other. And now if you look around, obviously, just as a Um, social observation, you know, people are together, whether out to dinner or hanging out, and I'm talking about adults, who are parallel playing. They're on their phones while in each other's company. And I think that, unfortunately, while there's many benefits to social media, and of course, where would we be without the cell phone? We all know, because there's also been tons spoken about it, tons of articles written about it, that it also preys on our ability to be able to interact with other people and feel comfortable, because it really kind of imposes this social awkwardness. Mm -hmm. So I think, Paulina, this idea of setting goals is so important because what you're talking about is creating purpose. Mm -hmm. And with goals, we're developing interest. And with developing interest, we're providing a means to an end, that there's something to be working towards, that there's something bigger than ourselves out there. And I think that this is so important to helping people navigate the obstacles to building community and finding support. And then, of course, you know, as you're referring to the different neighborhoods on Long Island, or actually, you know, obviously this exists everywhere across the United States, Mm -hmm. people are impoverished and living in areas where they don't have access to resources or not impoverished uh, in the way that we think of socioeconomically, but even within a family structure, you could be of, you know, very decent means and still be impoverished in Mm -hmm. your family system because a family doesn't know how to be together or there's issues of abuse or neglect or whatever it may be. So in that sense, people are hungry as well for community and they just don't know how to get it. So I consider you two very lucky in the sense of what you were able to experience growing up despite your challenges and how you're using that to mobilize, right, these same resources for others. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that... I could say as um, the president for the Social Work Club, I know that our members really tried their best and really were committed to making that difference and improving the life of others in the community, within our Long Island community. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to collect donations for the senior center, so that helped provide resources to them and that specific community. But then we also targeted the college community here and spoke about mental health and being able to bring in New York Project Hope. And we brought um, even the Malloy College Counseling Center. So that was a way of providing resources to the college community, but also having everybody understand that we're all going through this together and that you're not alone. And You may experience anxiety and you may experience depression. Here are some coping skills. Here are ways and strategies that could help you work through that. Or, you know, we've all experienced different kinds of losses. So how to cope with those losses. And I feel like that really needed to be highlighted because, you know, who lost their job, who lost family members, who lost their sense of self, different kinds of losses. So being able to provide to the college community, but also being able to help our outside community as well was really amazing to see. And by the end of the year, the Social Work Student Association was awarded the Community Service Award. Mm -hmm. Something you should be very proud of. Any closing thoughts? 
I just really appreciate this wonderful conversation I was able to be a part of today about building community and what it's like to share my experience of how I built my community and now what I'm able to do while working with my clients. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Myers. (laughs) Always love to hear from our students and see the growth, um, especially you two who have, I have feel like I have been with for several years, um, whether it was as your professor or the advisor to the Social Work Student Association, and to see your professional and personal transformations has been extremely rewarding. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have a question for me, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Myers Pod. That's D-R-M-E-Y-E-R-S-P-O-D. And send me a DM for a chance to get your question answered on the podcast. I've got some problems, yeah, I've got some questions. I need some help, point me in any direction. Clinical guidance is what I need to help me become who I'm meant to be. I've been searching for a teacher, another point of view. And I've been asking myself, what would Dr. Myers do?